Welcome to day 46 of the story that changes everything. Our readings for today are Numbers chapters 16 through 18 and Psalm 19. Here's some thoughts to guide your reading for today. A few years ago, when I was asked to become the Dean of the School of Theology at Azusa Pacific University, I wasn't really sure what deans did, so one of the first things I did was go to Amazon and order the only three or four books out there about how to be a good dean. When they arrived, I opened the first one, and the first line said, Congratulations on your new position. All your colleagues think your IQ just dropped 20 points. The book, however, was lying. Some of my colleagues thought my IQ dropped 30 points. I already knew from my years pastoring a couple of congregations that leadership isn't easy, but I found out that leading a group of people who all have the same education as you and feel just as qualified as you are to do your job, leading that group can at times be a nightmare. As chapter 16 opens, Moses and Aaron find themselves in a leadership nightmare of their own. Korah, a Levite, is apparently a little tired of working for Aaron and his sons. He is just as holy and qualified as they are, he proclaims, so why should they get to hog all the prestigious work in the center of the tabernacle? Korah is joined in his frustration by Dothan and Abiram from the tribe of Reuben and 250 other men from Israel who are frustrated with the slow economy. They were promised milk and honey and their leaders haven't exactly delivered yet. They think it's time for a regime change. Welcome to the insurrection. Probably to try and forego violence, Moses offers a test. Let the 250 men bring censers and offer incense to the Lord and see whose offering is approved and accepted by God, theirs or Aaron's. They also try negotiating with Dothan and Abiram to no avail. In verse 14, there's an idiom that may need some explanation. They say to Moses, would you gouge out the eyes of these men? This is likely an idiom that means to make someone a slave. Think about the later story of Samson and the gouging out of his eyes to make him a slave to the Philistines. If you have started paying attention to the pattern of numbers, you can guess what happens next. Step one, the people complain. Step two, God enacts judgment upon them. Korah, Dathan, Abiram, and everyone they love and everything they own is swallowed up into the earth, and then the 250 priest wannabes are consumed by God's holy fire. So much for the revolution. It's not over yet. Many of the remaining people blame Moses for the failed coup and accuse him of getting all the people killed. They end up with the plague. In response, Moses and Aaron, who by the way are much better people than I am, intercede on the behalf of the people and God removes the plague. Chapter 17 offers an additional brief test to once again affirm God's choice of Aaron to lead the priesthood. One staff from each of the 12 tribes is placed in front of the ark, but it's only the staff with the tribe of Levi and the name of Aaron carved into it, that blossoms. At the end of the chapter, the people are filled with fear. They realize this whole following God thing can be kind of deadly. Can they ever get it right without judgment happening? I can hear similar questions today. If the church has so many of these divisions and fights, and we might get caught up in them and get hurt, is it even worth trying to be church? Why bother at all? Chapter 18 reaffirms the order and structure that God intended for the priests, the Levites, and the worship in the tabernacle. Tithing is again reaffirmed for the support of the landless Levites and priests. Notice, especially all you pastor types out there listening, 
The priests and Levites also tithe on the tithes. Structure, order, and properly acting authority within a community of peace, generosity, and worship is the way God intends his people to live. I recognize in a time like ours when there have been and continue to be far too many pastors and other religious leaders misusing their authority, these texts about God's over-the-top protection of his anointed ones seems not only antiquated, but downright dangerous. I think we must admit that these kinds of texts have often been used by abusive leaders to shield themselves from responsibility. Without question, it is wrong to read these texts in ways that set spiritual leaders above any accountability or need to answer to authority, even lay authority. However, I do think these texts express the deep concern of God that as people try to live in peace and learn to resolve conflicts and work through differences in ways that don't bring division within the body of Christ. The psalm for today, Psalm 19, is a beautiful poem that opens with several verses that praise God for creation. It also expresses thanks for the Lord's instruction, laws, regulations, commands, and even judgments. However, it ends with a brief prayer that perhaps should be central for all of us as we both lead and live within the community of faith. It says this, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. May that be the prayer that shapes our life together. The stories for today are disturbing but instructive, so read these chapters carefully, looking for things you've never seen before. Listen to what the Spirit might say to you through the scripture today. Journal your thoughts, prayers, and questions, and may your words and thoughts today bring life instead of strife. Our text for tomorrow, our numbers, chapters 19 through 21. I'll talk to you tomorrow.